goodness, Kristen, it is the season finale. It sure is. Of season one. <laughs> it is. It sure is. And I can't wait for season two. Oh. I am excited. Wow. Okay. I was going to ask you, how did you feel? Without giving away any spoilers that we're going to talk about in the episode, how did you feel about this overall finale? Uh, good finale. Good finale. How about broad strokes? Well, I guess broad strokes of the season. If you're excited about a season two, you're... Roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. That's a great way to put it. Some really good goods. Yeah. And some really, really bad bads. Yes, and also I'm so I'm so looking forward to looking through the list for next week's episode when we're going over our top favorites and our least favorites to see which ones I've just never thought about again. <laughs> Speaking of, in this episode we talk about how Scully is the first to see an alien. Yes. We completely forgot that they both saw aliens in Gender Bender. Oh yeah. We completely forgot about that episode and and i just forgot about it again yeah <laughs> i was like i thought we weren't gonna spoil anything but no you're right uh-huh yeah that's how bad that episode was wow so spoiler for next week what our least favorite episode's going to be well i think that's pretty obvious it's going to be in one of those huh Interesting. So I think the way that I'm going to do my list is my least favorite are going to be the ones that I've forgotten about completely because like with Gender Bender, there are some episodes that didn't age well, right? weren't that great probably to begin with, but if I've thought about them, they're still better than the ones I've completely forgotten. <laughs> yeah. So curious to see what that list looks like between the two of us. Yeah, I'm going to go over my notes for the season sometime this week before we record. All right. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. All right, you guys, let us know what you think about this episode. If you have time, please go to Apple Podcast and leave a review. That will really help. We are wrapping up season one, going into season two. And if you could rate and review or just tell a friend, that would be fantastic. We would love to get some new ears on us for season two. And thank you for everyone who has joined us for 24 episodes. That's a quarter, that's half a year. Yeah, it's a lot. We've done, we've been doing this for half a year. Wow, that's a weird way to think about it. Yep, I know. You just had trouble thinking about it, didn't I you? I did. <laughs> All right, so enjoy the episode and we'll see you next week. Greetings, listeners, Domestic International, and most especially this week, extraterrestrial. <laughs> or extraterrestrial human hybrids. <laughs> We've been leaving them out. <laughs> I am Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, and this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who somehow never saw The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of The X-Files, spoiler-free. Today, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 24, The Erlenmeyer Flask. It originally aired May 13th, 1994, to a viewership of 14 million. That is the highest rated, and that makes sense. It does, yes. It was written by the man Chris Carter and directed by R.W. 
good one. Ah. As part of the cast, we have Lindsay Ginter, a.k.a. Crew Cut Man. Oh. He was in Beyond Belief, colon, Factor Fiction. Yes! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It's fact. And also, getting up and going home. (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) Right? Anne DeSalvo, a.k.a. Dr. Carpenter. (laughs) She was in a little short called Woman Without Implants. Okay. And also, Attack of the Five Foot Two Woman. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It was really good. Simon Webb, a.k.a. Dr. Sakar, was in Danger Bay. Can you guess why I picked Danger Bay? Uh, Because he spent a lot of the time in the bay? He did, yes. And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Oh, who was he? Uh, Office worker or gas station Uh. (laughs) attendant or something. I forgot to write it down, but he was... The unnamed character. All right. James Laird, a.k.a. Captain Lasario, was in Little Women. His, uh. his, first, his first movie was Little Women, which, you know, good for him. He was also in something called The Egg Factory. Huh. Didn't, huh. didn't hold up as much as Little Women. Guess not. Not yet, anyway. Ken Kramer, a.k.a. Dr. Baruby, was in The Haunting of Bly Manor, which, you know, good for spooky season. And Sinbad, colon, The Flying Princess and the Secret Island, part one. (laughs) Okay. He was not in part two. I guess his character didn't make it. I guess not. So IMDb says, Deep Throat tips Mulder to a critically important case involving a missing fugitive and the cloning of extraterrestrial viruses. All right. Yeah, not bad. I mean, not everything, but not bad. That's fine. Are you ready? I am. Well, we start at Shipworks, Arliss, Maryland. A car speeds down a small hill in the road, followed by a police car with sirens blaring. You say speeds. I say flies. It does fly. That thing was like 10 feet in the air. It was hilarious. It really was. It definitely catches air. (laughs) The police car does the same. These cars just fly, just are flying. It's a fun way to start this episode. The first car does a sharp left turn as it passes a train, The train honks its horn, and the police car follows the pattern. The man in the car looks in his rearview mirror. We already have a goof. Oh. So, in the early part of the police chase, we see the suspect's car crossing a railroad track. A CN, Canadian National logo, is clearly visible on the approaching locomotive. The chase supposedly takes place in Maryland, and the CN Network's, CN's network, even in its American network, does not even go close to Maryland. Uh Uh-huh. So, lies. Lies. The cops catch up to him. He stops at one point after he runs. You have to run into the requisite stack of boxes. Yes. And then he gets out of his car. The cops beat him with clubs. He gets away from them. Then they beat him some more. And then he grabs the club. And then he beats them. And everybody's beating everybody with clubs. Yeah, I wonder why he was running from the cops. No idea. Maybe he thought his life was in danger? Hmm. 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 We're going to find out the very good reason why they were chasing him and beating him and shooting him with a taser that the guy forgot to charge. (laughs) It didn't even make the noise. Nope. And then actually shooting him with a gun. So all of that happens. And the guy, as the guy is running away, he's running up a ramp and the taser cop decides to murder him instead and shoots at him, hits him. The guy jumps off the ramp into the water where that cable knit sweater would have dragged him to the bottom. Yes. And? To Davy Jones' locker. Yes. And we do not see him come back. The end. Oh, okay. <laughs> he 
doesn't come up to the surface, the cop is like, but I shot him. There'd be a lot of blood. <sighs> I hit him. I know I hit him. Where the hell did he go? He'd be bleeding bad. And we see green instead of red blood or green something where the blood would ultimately be. That is the opening scene. And then we go to... <laughs> yes. Where we see Mulder asleep on his couch. Oh, it is Sunday, May 8th, 1994, in case you needed to know. The TV is playing because Mulder never sleeps in his bed and he never sleeps without a TV on. It's just his MO. Two scientists are talking on the show. Deep Throat calls Mulder and tells him to watch Channel 8. So he changes the channel to Channel 8. Can you imagine if somebody called you and was like, turn to Channel 8? I would be like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I can't. Is it on a streaming service? <laughs> what app is that? Channel 8? What? But that's what he does, and he watches the aftermath of the car chase from the night before. Or that earlier that night, I guess. Next, we're at the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. Mulder pauses the tape he's been watching, according to Scully, a hundred times. Probably an exaggeration. Man, that's a lot. She asks him what he's hoping to find, and he doesn't know. He presses a button on a machine and a picture prints out of the current shot on the screen, which seems like a cool little gadget to have. Uh, he looks at the picture and you see various men in trench coats. You also see Le Cicero walking by. There's a man in the front that's very evident and he's not wearing a uniform. This will come up later. Scully asks about Deep Throat because Mulder says that that's why he was watching this and why he's been watching it a hundred times. Mulder doesn't know why Deep Throat said to watch this but because deep throat said so we know it's going to be an x-file yeah pretty much and scully asks the question that we've all been wondering why was the suspect being chased <laughs> right that seems like the first question somebody should ask Mulder says as far as i can tell he wouldn't pull over for a moving violation that's a good reason to murder somebody yeah so let's recap he wouldn't pull over so it's a high-speed chase i think they said for 60 miles oh Really? Yeah. I didn't write that down, but I remember them saying that, and I was like, what? And then they beat him with clubs. Multiple police officers beat him with clubs. They tase him, and then they shoot him. Because he rolled through a stop sign. Yep. Scully is on our side here. She says, well, that ought to put him on the top ten most wanted list. For real. See? A cab. <laughs> yes. Also, Scully reminds Mulder that Deep Throat has lied to Mulder by his own admission. Remember the alien body Mulder almost saw? <laughs> but Mulder is certain he's missing something. So Scully plays along and says, Then what are you missing? <laughs> well, if I knew, I wouldn't be missing it, would I, Scully? Dana. <laughs> I liked that. Well, then what are you missing? <laughs> they go to the shipworks in Arliss, Maryland. The agents show Lacicero, Lacerio, I'm going to call him Lacicero every time so have fun editing this good good good, good. <laughs> the agents show Lacerio the picture it has several people in it Lacerio says that three different law enforcement agencies were out last night for a traffic violation yeah maybe the high-speed chase would have brought more people but three agencies oh defund the police they <laughs> obviously have too much money yeah. and not enough to do Mulder does ask about them hunting a man on a moving violation and it's okay, guys. Don't worry. Lazario replies, I know it's not Silence of the Lambs, but that's what we do. Uh-huh. Okay. Mulder asks if the man in the picture was one of his because he isn't wearing a badge or a uniform. Lazario says no. It was a zoo out there. 
all for a traffic violation? Come on. We know the suspect was shot and his body hasn't been recovered. There's a search for the body. We see boats and divers in, in the bay. Lacerio finally asks why the FBI is interested, to which Mulder replies that the suspect fits a description of a, uh, you know, federal guy wanted. Hmm? <laughs> he takes like three beats to answer, too. He might as well have said, hold on, I'm thinking of a lot. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he's caught, obviously, because no description has been released. Mulder looks slightly embarrassed and changes the subject, asking to see the car. <laughs> it's been impounded, so off they go. At the impound, Scully looks at a folder as Mulder is sitting in the front seat of their car. She relays the report about the car and suggests they're wasting their time. Mulder ignores her and gets out of the car. He's certain he's missing something. So there's this whole bit where he's standing in front of the car, looking at the picture, looking at the car, looking at the picture, looking at the car, and then he sees it. The big reveal. He's not missing it anymore. He isn't. There's a sticker in the front windshield of the car in the picture that is not in the car window of the car they're actually standing in front of. Bum, bum, bum. So now it's obviously not the same car. Great. We go to FBI headquarters. Scully says the sticker is a caduceus. Mulder suggests that means the car's owner is a doctor, and Scully agrees. Mulder does some computer stuff. He's had the picture enhanced so we can see the license plate. It's a different plate, confirming it's a different car. Great, great, great. Scully asks him to fast forward, but that's the only part of the video that's been enhanced because I don't know how they enhanced <laughs> videos in 1994, but only that one scene has been enhanced. Uh, Mulder calls a guy named Danny to run a partial plate. He says the owner is suspected to be a doctor or the owner was is suspected to have been a doctor, one or the other. He's on hold with Danny as he turns to Scully saying, they switched cars on us and they lied about it. Scully asks why they would do that and Mulder suggests the real owner of the car has something to hide. Okay, so are we going to talk to the cops about falsifying evidence or? Now, why would we do that? Well, it doesn't come up again. <laughs> we go to the Imaging Corporation in Gaithersburg, Maryland because they've identified the doctor who owned the car as Dr. Barubi. It turns out that he had no idea his car was missing, but I guess it's not missing anymore. No, it's still missing because it's not the one that's impounded. Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened to his sticker. Yeah, that car is just gone. Hmm. Dr. Barubi pours some reddish liquid into a container from an Erlenmeyer flask, first try, and closes the lid. His hands are inside a glass case with gloves on. There's squeaking in the background, squealing, and as soon as I heard that noise, I said, oh, I don't like this. No, why not? I don't like it. You know they're doing awful things to those animals. I guess. You don't know? I don't know. You think it's just I a petting there. zoo? I wasn't there. You just think it's a petting zoo? It's fine. Everything's fine. Mulder and Scully walk in. As Mulder interrogates Dr. Barubi, Scully decides to stick her fingers inside the baboon cages. Even I know better than to do that. <laughs> it was really weird. It really was. The baboon lunges obviously, but it doesn't get her. This causes the whole scene to end. There's no more interrogation, and um, and they the agents leave. The funny thing, though, about when they walk in is Mulder says, excuse me, I need to ask you some questions. And Dr. Barubi says, I'm terribly busy. And Mulder says, I'm sorry, and then launches into his <laughs> first question. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't care how busy you right. are. Right. It's pretty great. Dr. Barubi does 
reinforced that he didn't know his car was missing, but he is very busy, and please don't touch the experiment animals. They don't like people because they're being tortured as part of an experiment. <laughs> uh, Scully does ask what kind of experiment, and Dr. Baruvi shoots back with, am I under some kind of suspicion? Yes. I feel that's like why yes. we're here. I feel like that's the reason they're there. Literally, yes. Yeah. Where is your car, sir? But there is a goof in here. Basically, just with the setup, Dr. Barubi allowing two strangers into an animal research facility without protective gear to minimize the risk of human-borne pathogens is a major safety violation. However, the research company is later revealed to be involved in shady dealings. So this could be a deliberate character error on the producer's part. Oh. Probably isn't, though. Oh. I think they just needed the scene to happen. Oh. All right. You ready for your first Cast Files Theater? Oh, okay. First. That means there's going to be multiples? Yes. This is the finale. All right. All right. So the agents leave and Mulder looks at his watch. You be Mulder, I'll be Scully. And now for Cast Files Theater. Well, it's almost five o'clock. We should check with the doctor's housekeeper about the car while we're out here. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. What do you mean, no? I mean, this has reached the point of absurdity, Mulder. We're out here on half a hunch off a cryptic phone call chasing down a a clue that's based on nothing but speculation. Well, that's all we've got. That's all he's given us. Who is this Deep Throat character? I mean, we don't know anything about him. What his name is. What he does. Well, he's in a delicate position. He has access to information and indiscretion could expose him. You don't know that this isn't just a game with him. He's toying with you, rationing out the facts. You think he does it because he gets off on it? No, I think he does it because you do. She walks into the ladies' room, stopping and looking back at him for a moment. That was Cast Files Theater. Chris Carter really did Skelly dirty in this whole area. (laughs) Her sticking her fingers in the cage and... There's no way. No. There's no way. No way. And then she's like, there's nothing to go on here. You know that they swapped out the cars. That is super suspicious. And you're like, ah, no, this is nothing. This is nothing. And you get off on it. I clapped and applauded and did a little dance when (laughs) she said that. (laughs) Because it's true. It's so true. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I don't know much, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well... Moving on. I don't know much about biology. (laughs) I don't know much history. No. I don't know much about the French I took. (laughs) No. I don't know much about science book. (laughs) Just one? But I know... Science book. I do know that I love you. Oh, that's good. And I know that if you love me too, what a wonderful world this would be. (laughs) Oh God, is it a wonderful world right now? I see trees of green. (laughs) (laughs) In Mulder's apartment... (laughs) Mulder gets out of his car and starts walking to his building. Deep Throat walks up behind him. Deep Throat and Mulder banter about Mulder's level of commitment. And just as we knew would happen, Deep Throat talks Mulder back into the game. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. (laughs) It's true. We are at the MGen Corporation in Gaithersburg, Maryland. A mysterious crew cut man comes in while Dr. Barubi is working late. He did say he has more work than time. He did. He's also working with no lights on. Uh, yeah. I mean, some people are just good like that. He's doing biology. How is he seeing anything? 
Maybe he has biologically enhanced eyes. Ooh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Mm. Dr. Baruby thinks Crew Cut Man is FBI, and uh, he isn't. Sorry. No. <laughs> Crew Cut Man asks about Dr. Sakar. Dr. Baruby doesn't know what he's talking about. Crew Cut Man chuckles to himself. <laughs> which is not a good sign if you're trying to get out of this scene alive. <laughs> Crew Cut Man kills Dr. Baruby off screen. R.I.P. The bonobos go wild in the background. They do. They are not happy with any of this, including being experimented yeah. on. Yes. Next, we go to Shipworks again in Arliss, Maryland. We learn the search team has been looking for two days. Visibility is bad. The sun has gone down, and they're calling off the search for good at this point. As they pack up, the camera scans over the water, and we see the top of Dr. Sakar's head. His nose and mouth remain underwater. Like he's in the movie Navy Seals. Yeah. Looking badass. But nobody notices him except the camera. It was well placed. It was. Back at the Imogene Corporation the next day, because the sun is up now, in Gaithersburg, Maryland, Scully explains that Dr. Baruby killed himself, which we know is false, but they don't, apparently. According to the report, Dr. Baruby destroyed his lab and then jumped out a window with gauze wrapped around him. Yeah, there's no way that any reasonable person would say, oh, he trashed his own lab. No. Even if he wasn't, like, you know, super meticulous about it. Just the trash lab is wildly suspicious. It really is. It seems strange. Even if he hit a roadblock and was angry about how an experiment turned out or didn't turn out, he wouldn't destroy his entire lab. Yeah, and then kill himself. Right, no. But we don't believe it, and neither does Mulder. Good, good. They proceed to touch everything with their bare hands. Like they do. The gauze, the chemicals, their faces, everything. Mulder asks Scully to identify the reddish liquid in a flask. She asks what he's going to do, which is a fair question after 23 episodes. Very fair. He's not going to tell her, though. No, he isn't. <laughs> he's, he's just going to go off and do whatever he's going to do. Which he does. Here's a bit of trivia. The purity control sample that Mulder finds in the lab and gives to Scully is actually in an Erlenmeyer flask. Hence the title. Ooh. However, a flask for biological samples would have been a screw cap closure, not a round glass stopper like the prop shown. The latter type of stopper can't protect biological samples from contamination by environmental bacteria. The more you know. Gif. <laughs> <laughs> Next, it is 6.30 p.m., so this is where Mulder is going. He pulls up to Baruby's house. He gets out of the car and rings the doorbell twice. He takes a piece of mail out of the mailbox that reads, Dr. T.A. Baruby, 2650 West 1st, Artist, Maryland, 149376. <laughs> okay. So now we can mail him. All right. He goes back to the door, then walks around the side of the house. He sees a window to the cellar is open and climbs inside. Because... I guess you can just do that. You can do a little B&E on a dead guy. He's not going to complain. It's true. Very true. Meanwhile, in Georgetown, at Georgetown University, in the microbiology department, Scully speaks with Dr. Carpenter about the fluid in the flask. Dr. Carpenter is intrigued, though Scully admits she's not expecting to find anything. It turns out it's some sort of new bacteria. Dr. Carpenter suggests a freeze fracture. She says she'll do that if Scully doesn't mind waiting, and Scully's like, I don't have anything else to do. Oh my god, I'll just wait, whatever. She has more time than work. <laughs> yes. We go back to Mulder. 
It is 7.45 p.m. Mulder turns on Baruby's desk lamp and sits down in his chair. He opens a drawer and looks through the files. I don't know why it took him an hour and 15 minutes to get <laughs> through the window to this desk, but whatever. I was doing a real thorough search of everything. He eventually gets to the desk an hour he, and 15 minutes later. He was looking for porn. Oh my gosh, he was. <laughs> That's so on brand. Ugh. What kind of porn do you think Dr. Baruby has in his house? None. Oh, he's too busy. Yeah, he doesn't have time for that. No, he doesn't have, he doesn't have time for anything. He has more work than time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess he didn't find anything, which is why he's reading the, uh, the phone bill instead. <laughs> he takes the phone bill out of a drawer and he sees the same number called every single time. There's not even variation. It's 301-555-2804. Literally the only place he calls. Yes. So Mulder picks up the phone and starts dialing. He calls Danny from earlier, and he says, It's Mulder again. Look, I got a number this time. And he gives the number with the area code. It's weird that he gives the number and then the area code, because nobody does that. Why would you do that? Wow. That's ridiculous. That's another thing I don't know. He says he needs an address and a name if he can get it. And he tells Danny that he's at, where he tells Danny where he's at. And then he says, all right. Thanks, Danny. Mulder hangs up the phone and puts the phone bill away. Meanwhile, outside, a white van pulls up. Mulder doesn't see it, but we see it because... That's where the camera's at. That's where the camera's it's at. It's another good camera point. It's really good. Wow. It's very helpful. These guys are getting lucky. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> Mulder opens the top drawer and pulls out a set of keys, which he steals. He does love to steal things. You know, I'm with him. I'm for a little klepto-ness. He stole Roland's artwork... And that's how he got the password. He knows what to steal. <sighs> I guess so. Well, the phone rings. He picks it up. And outside we see the crew cut man sitting in the front seat of the white van with headphones on and a satellite dish. So he's, <laughs> he's woo-woo-wooing into hear what Mulder's talking about. Mulder picks up the phone. It's Dr. Sakar calling for Terry, who is Dr. Barube. Mulder pretends to be Terry. Sakar says he's hurt real bad. He must be hurt real, real bad because he does not notice that Mulder's voice is not Dr. Barubi's nope. voice at all. Nope. And apparently they're really good friends, which we will find out later. But just so you know. Because at first we didn't know how close they were. And I thought, well, I mean, maybe if he's never really talked to him on the phone. I, and he's in a panic. I don't know. It did seem weird, but I was like, maybe. But apparently they've been besties for like since, since grade school, since short pants. Short pants. <laughs> Boys have short hair and short pants. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Mulder is trying to locate Sakar, but Sakar faints before he can say where he's at. And a bystander hangs up on Mulder and calls an ambulance, which, you know, fair. If I'm the bystander, though, the guy's like, where are you at on the other line? You know the guy knows this guy. Why wouldn't you tell him? He doesn't like how Mulder sounds. <sighs> you don't sound like Dr. Baruby. <laughs> You just lied to this guy. In Maryland, an ambulance speeds down the road carrying Sakar, who does not have a shirt on. Ooh. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> a man is pumping an oxygen mask over Sakar's mouth, and another is talking into headphones. So they're trying to figure out. The one guy, one ambulance guy, paramedic. <laughs> Am no, I think it's ambulance guy. <laughs> <laughs> one ambulance guy. Woo! He's talking to somebody on the headset and saying, relaying what's going on. They end up deciding to puncture Sakar's lung to um, release pressure. 
So it I don't makes... think the lung. I think just the chest. Oh, you're right. Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not an ambulance guy. <laughs> <laughs> but when they do that, his lung cavity uh, releases a gas. He's got a chest full of mace. Did you hear how powerful the air was coming out of that tube? No, I didn't actually. It was like one of those those spray tubes where you're spraying your keyboard. <laughs> it was just full blown <laughs> coming out of his chest, like major pressure in there. It's nuts. Everybody, the ambulance driver, which is his job, he is driving the ambulance. The ambulance guy driver. <laughs> yes. He pulls over and falls out of the ambulance, and the two guys in the back fall over. And then Sikar leaves and runs away. Back in Georgetown, the microbiology department, Scully calls Mulder. Mulder tells her the driver of the car is alive, meaning Dr. Sikar. Scully tells Mulder what Dr. Carpenter has found, that the freeze fracture shows some kind of bacteria which contains a virus. It looks like Dr. Barubi has been cloning them. They're interesting because they look like chloroplasts, which are in plant cells, but not common plant cells. She explains gene therapy is required for the cloning process and that it is highly experimental. It's what Dr. Baruby was doing with the baboons in the lab. None of this makes much sense to me. I'm not sure if any of this is actually able to happen, but you know, (laughs) sci-fi, it's not magic. So yay. This is where Scully starts to believe Mulder. She says, now I may be understanding, I may be understating the strangeness of this Mulder. Bacteria like this, it may have existed, but not for millions of years. Not since before our ancestors first crawled out of the sea. But rather than acknowledging any of this, Mulder is distracted by Zeus storage. He's very dismissive, as usual. Scully exhales sharply and the scene ends. Scully says that it may be extraterrestrial. Which she was explicitly told it is extraterrestrial. Yes, but Mulder is still just like, great work, keep doing your job. Yes. Okay, bye. He does. I'm going to go do some things, you do some work. La 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 la. (laughs) That's what I assume he does when he's not eating sunflower seeds, which he hasn't been lately. No, or looking at porn. Hmm. The porn is off screen, obviously, since that's what he was doing at Barubi's house. Yes. But we have here Zeus Storage on Pandora Street Road. Mm Mm-hmm. Last episode we had... Project Icarus. Yes. It makes me want to go back and see how many Greek names are sprinkled throughout the series. Oh, should we do that for the finale recap? Oh. Or the season recap, I guess? No, because that would require us to watch every episode again. No, I have all the transcripts. Oh, okay. (laughs) Why would we watch everything? (laughs) We don't need to, but this episode was good. So at Zeus storage, Mulder walks in and down a flight of stairs. He sees a number of doors. He looks through the keys that he stole, remember? Yeah, he knows what to steal. Steals good stuff. He sees one marked 1056. Walking to the door with the same number, he unlocks it and slides the door open. Inside, he sees five glass cases, like saltwater aquariums. (laughs) I called them spooky tanks. Yes. Each hooked up to various computers. Inside each case is a naked person perfectly still. As he walks past them, he looks in at them in disbelief. Suddenly, one of them moves. Mulder realizes that they are all alive and breathing underwater. This is true. They are. That's what's happening in there. We cut back to Georgetown University, the microbiology department. It is 11.45 p.m. Scully has fallen asleep waiting on the freeze fracture. I think I might have just said earlier that the freeze fracture has already happened. Ah, that's where I got confused. Yep, it hadn't yet. 
Dr. Carpenter nudges her awake. The freeze fracture was happening between that scene and this scene. So sorry about that. We knew all that other stuff just based on microscopes. Yep. And skill. Knowledge. Skilled knowledge. Nothing I do not possess. <laughs> Dr. Carpenter nudges Scully awake. She had fallen asleep on the couch and <laughs> shows her a DNA sequence. It's funny because when she nudges Scully awake, Scully sits up. She goes, oh, I fell asleep. <laughs> We're all like, yes. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Everybody saw you. But also it's a quarter to midnight. And I feel like when they are on cases, they're never sleeping. Not at night. They're like Batman. Then there's some science from Dr. Carpenter. She's showing Scully this printout. It's, she says they're called base pairs. Each pair is made up of something called a nucleotide. Only four nucleotides exist in DNA. Four. And through some miracle of design that we have yet to fathom, every living thing is created out of these four basic building blocks. What you're looking at is a sequence of genes from the bacteria sample. Normally, we'd find no gaps in the sequence, but with these bacteria, we do. I don't know how to read this printout, so I just believe Dr. Carpenter. It looked like a Scantron cheat to me. It did. A fifth and sixth DNA nucleotide has been found. It's a new base pair. She says, Agent Scully, what you're looking at, it exists nowhere in nature. It would have to be, by definition, extraterrestrial. What? Yep. Back at Zeus storage, Mulder walks out of the building and sees a white van pull up. Two men get out. He starts walking the other way and sees that they're following him. Then a third man comes running at him just from around the corner, like full speed. <laughs> like no hesitation. Nope. This is where Mulder jumps a fence and it's like... Good jump. Yeah, it was a really good jump. He was track and field at Georgetown. Yes. Mulder gets away because, you know, of course he does. We've got more episodes to get through. <laughs> and the guys don't jump the fence. Apparently they were just track, but not field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, we can't clear this. Nope. Back at Mulder's apartment, Scully calls Mulder and tells him the DNA is extraterrestrial. Mulder asks her to meet him. He doesn't even comment. <laughs> so irritated. Are you? Yes. Oh. I have no emotional intelligence, I can't tell. Oh. That's sad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything today. That's sad for me. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference to you. It's sad for me, though. <laughs> <laughs> he asks her to meet him at zoo storage, but we know the bodies aren't going to be there. Come on, of course. Of course! I'm blown away that Mulder thinks that there's going to be anything in that room. He's an optimist. So we know that he left the storage at around midnight or so. Okay. We know, okay, so, so let's, let's just do this real quick. At 11.45 is when Scully calls Mulder. Then Mulder leaves the storage facility sometime after that. So let's say, even let's say it's one. He was in there for an hour. Okay. That doesn't seem likely, but let's say he was. Then he gets back to his apartment, and that's when they talk again. So, I don't know, an hour or two? Maybe he was running all around the city trying to lose the guys. Maybe. But it's still a couple hours after midnight. They show up to the facility at 7.30 a.m. <laughs> what were they doing? <laughs> they went and got breakfast. That's probably true. You don't want to see what's going to change your whole... It's going to blow your whole mind on an empty stomach. No. So at 7.30 a.m., Mulder and Scully pull up to Zeus Storage. A car is parked out front. Mulder walks to the building and Scully follows. She does stop him before they go inside and she apologizes to Mulder for being wrong. She says she should have trusted his instincts over her own. Well, she's not going off of instinct, though. She's going off of what she knows. Her instinct is to trust her knowledge and education and reality fine 
I hate this dynamic. It's I know it's necessary for the show that Scully is the skeptic and is always wrong, but she's being reasonable, scientific, and realistic, and they always are like, well, but Mulder just had a gut feeling. <laughs> so Mulder's right. Yeah. And now we're here in 2021. The X-Files did this to us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this, this is Wow. This is where we've gotten. Ugh. While Mulder is distracted... He jumps to conclusions without any evidence and is generally out for himself over anything else. Generally. Recall Born Again, how he wanted to use the little girl and just torment her for his own reasons? I do recall this. Yeah. I think we just recorded it one hour ago. I don't think that's true. I think it's been released to the world already. (laughs) Anyway, it bothers me that Mulder is the antithesis of Scully, but Mulder gets to be right all the time. Yeah. That's the way the show's set up. I don't like it. Mulder explains that no matter what Scully believes, everything will change once they enter the storage unit. Uh, Nothing sacred will hold. Yes. And I say, doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Because, of course, the unit is completely empty. But, surprise, Deep Throat appears. He explains the experiment, Sakaar, everything. Scully rightly asks him what took him so long to tell them. She says, there's just one thing I don't understand. Why you gave us so little to go on in the beginning and why you're giving us so much to go on now. Which, yeah. Yeah, and then he does not answer that question. He doesn't. He just says he didn't anticipate the speed and precision of their cleanup operation. Basically, they're destroying everything. He believes that they've killed all of the experiment people. Yeah. The ambulance guy and the experiment people. (laughs) Whatever. And he also says that he'll have no further contact with you on this matter. And I believe him. Do you? That's the one thing I believe. What a lying liar face. He also calls him Dr. Barubu oh, a bunch does. of times. Yep. Mulder's like, I was chased. And he's like, if you were chased, you would be dead. No, I was chased. He was definitely chased. Like, I was running, and they ran after me. <laughs> right. That's chase. I was running from them who were running after me. We get another scene where instinct over actual work and skill is championed. Even with sci-fi events, they could lean on the brilliance of these agents, but they don't. It's all gut instinct. They may as well be a pair of regular folks with no actual skills. Huh, yeah. Rather than a doctor and a psychologist, because those credentials don't seem to matter much when we get down into it. No, no, you're right. Now we go back to Georgetown University. It's later that day. Scully walks into the employee's lounge and sees various female doctors lounging around. They're just sitting around having coffee and being very quiet. Like, no one's talking. You can tell something's off. You can tell that some of them aren't getting their SAG card today. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. Scully inquires about Dr. Carpenter because she's called and gone to her office and she can't reach her. It turns out that Dr. Carpenter and her whole family were in a terrible car accident. Or an accident. I assume it's a car accident. And Dr. Carpenter is dead. So these men in not black are going around just killing everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. But not Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. Does not make much sense. Nope. Don't worry. It continues not to. At the Barubi residence in Artist, Maryland, Mulder goes there because, of course, the agents split up again. There's so much happening in this episode that they have to be in different places or else we would <laughs> never get through it. It'd be three hours long. Yes. So Mulder unlocks the front door and goes inside because, remember, he stole those keys. Apparently, there's keys to everything on that yeah. chain. That's, it was a good find. He looks around and hears a thump from upstairs. He draws his gun and slowly walks up the stairs, waiting before turning each corner. But not really. 
Another thump comes from the attic door above him. He goes up and looks around the dark attic, which is true. He finds Sakaar, who is hiding in the attic. Mulder says, sorry. Mulder says, I'll protect you. (laughs) Well timed. Seconds before Sakaar is shot from behind by a guy in a gas mask. It turns out to be the crew cut man from earlier. So he gets up there and Sakaar, like, uses his super strength and, like, throws him across the room and some boxes. There's, like, no sounds. Right. R.W. Goodwin should have set the Foley artist free. Oh, that would be good. It should have been so much sound effects in this fight. Ah, like, <laughs> would have been great. It uh, would have been great. Should have been sound effects. I missed the sound effects. I like that you added an explosion sound effect. <laughs> no, that was him going into the boxes. I don't like to think of it as an explosion. An explosion of boxes. <laughs> So, um, Sakaar is dead. Mulder makes some sounds, but doesn't really say a whole lot. And soon his eyes are burning like the ambulance guys. Yeah, because fresh blood, fresh Sakaar blood. Yeah. After commercial, we see Mulder is hogtied on the ground. His eyes, nose, and mouth are irritated and swollen, and his phone is ringing. After he's been stung by all the bees. The crew cut man tells him his cellular phone has been ringing off the hook. And Mulder quips, I'm a popular guy. Should have quipped, it's a cell phone, there's no hook. Don't worry. I, I won't. You sound very worried. Let me let me help you out. They're not going to kill him right now. They want him to talk. Yeah, they say that, and then yep. that goes nowhere. It doesn't. Back at Mulder's apartment, it's at 6, 10 a.m. Scully pulls up and gets out of the car. She walks over to the door and presses the button to buzz Mulder. But Deep Throat walks around the, co- the column and looks at her. What? Why is he back? He said he wasn't going to contact them again. Well, he was, he's a lying liar face. Ugh. He's helping Scully break into a high containment facility in Fort Marlene, Maryland, to find the original tissue sample from the alien-human hybrid because he thinks that if they get that tissue, then he can trade it for Mulder's life. That's what he says. But why? None of that makes any sense. No, not really. Why wouldn't they just get the tissue and also murder Mulder. I couldn't tell you. They've been murdering everybody. Yes, they have. We don't know, but that's what he set up. So we are at Fort Marlene, the high containment facility. Scully scans in through untold numbers of doors requiring key cards. Beep, 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 An untold number of people see her. Secure facility like that. So many people live there. You know everybody that walks into that place. Right! She gets to the final door and has to come up with a password. She does. What is it? She looks up at the bright red bell alarm and then looks up at the camera and says, Purity control. Yes. I fully, with the way it's shot, the way they <laughs> they telegraph it, I'm like, is she going to say bell camera? <laughs> yes. What, what is happening? It's pretty great. But she says purity control. Uh, there is a goof in this scene when Scully attempts to gain entrance to the holding facility where the, oh, I'm not going to spoil it yet, where the tissue sample <laughs> is being kept. Um, she talks to the security guard about the project password. And there's an embossed plate. And if you look at the bottom of the grate on that, it says cold water only. Apparently this grate was appropriated from another source and wasn't a speaker grate at all. (laughs) That's funny. Thought it was pretty good. 
I didn't catch it the second time I tried to find it, but I thought that was pretty fun. She goes into the facility and collects the original tissue sample. She ignores all the other things. I know. I want to see what all of them are labeled. I'd be at least writing down all the names. Memorizing them something. But she opens the canister and pulls out a... Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, a little baby fetus alien. And it's got its little arms out like it's going... (laughs) Yep. Or it's on the cover of the Mighty Boosh. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the first alien that we've seen. It is. And Scully gets to see an alien before Mulder. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's gonna hurt. Mulder's gonna hate this when he finds out later. Are you ready for the ultimate scene? Here comes the ultimate scene. Oh, no. Okay, the ultimate scene. Let me... (sighs) All right, we're at the bridge. Are you ready? I'm ready. Scully sits in her car on the bridge, waiting. Another car drives up behind her. She gets out of the car, carrying a box that presumably contains the evidence. Hello, baby. (laughs) Walking over the door, Deep Throat rolls down the window. You're late. Do you have it? Yes. Good. They're willing to make the exchange. You spoke to them? Yes. I reach out my window. I'll take the parcel. No, sir. I'll make the exchange. I pull my hand back in. I made the deal, Scully. They're expecting me. I don't trust you. You've got no one else to trust. I don't know who you are. I know nothing about you. Oh, for God's sake, don't screw this up. Let me tell you something you should know. In 1987, a group of children from a southern state were given what their parents thought was a routine inoculation. What they were injected with was clone DNA from the contents of that package you're holding as a test. That's the kind of people you're dealing with. So why give it back to them? To save Mulder's life. At the risk of so many others? Oh, it's the tip of the iceberg. You and Mulder are the only ones who can bring it to light. I reach out again. Now give me the parcel. She stares at him, not knowing what to do. A white van pulls up in front of Scully's car. Give me the parcel, Scully. She hands him the package and runs back to her car. As the car passes her, she looks at the man driving the car. He is Crew Cut Man. He looks at her as he drives by. She gets in the car. The van pulls up next to Deep Throat's car. The two men step out of their cars as Scully breathes deeply, watching in her rearview mirror. Deep Throat hands the crew cut man the package. Scully turns around and watches through her back window. The crew cut man walks over to his open door, puts the package inside, turns around to face Deep Throat, and shoots him in the chest. No! Deep Throat falls to the ground. The back doors to the van open and a man pushes Mulder out onto the concrete. Scully runs towards the van with her gun in her hand. She goes to Mulder as the van drives away. Mulder! Mulder! He groans. She checks his pulse and runs over to Deep Throat. She feels his neck and opens his jacket, revealing the gunshot wound. Trust. She lifts up his head so he can speak. Trust. No one. He exhales sharply. (sighs) And with that, Deep Throat dies in Scully's arms. R.I.P. Scene. Fat. 13 days later, in Washington, D.C., Scully is asleep in her bed. She wakes with a startle looking at the clock, which reads 1121, and clicks over to 1122. Takes deep breaths, the phone rings, and she picks it up. All right, be Mulder, I'm Scully again. Hello? Hey, Scully, it's me. Where are you? Pet to Mulder, sitting in his apartment with the lights off. They're shutting us down, Scully. Pet to Scully, who sits up. What? What? They called me in tonight. Pet to Mulder. And they said they're going to reassign us to other sections. Cut back to Scully. Who said that? Skinner. That's how he said it. It is. 
Oh. He said word came down from the top. Pet to Scully. Of the executive branch. Mulder, pet to Mulder, who seems amazingly placid. It's over, Scully. Pet back to Scully, who is in disbelief. Well, you have to lodge a protest. They can't. Pet to Mulder. Yes, they can. He nods to himself. <laughs> Cut to Scully, who sits in silence for a few seconds. What are you going to do? Pet back to Mulder. I'm not going to give up. I can't give up. Not as long as the truth is out there. Pet to Scully, who hears a click. She lowers the phone from her ear. Now, hidden room, Pentagon. Does this all feel very similar or I, familiar? I feel like this Lowe's is where they keep all kinds of evidence, mm -hmm. including tongue piercings. The cigarette-smoking man turns a corner and walks through the narrow row of shelves in the same room that he hid the device, the communications device taken from Billy Miles so long ago. Ah. Uh, the tongue piercing. I remember. He walks over to, to a box that is labeled Evidence 16604. He holds up a jar that contains the alien fetus. He looks at it and puts it in the box, which contain many others like it. Back in the Zeus storage facility, he did say, when Mulder says Roswell, he says, <laughs> <laughs> We've had many, I don't remember how many others, but he's many Half a others. dozen. Yes, better situations. And so I guess... They all have fetuses attached to them? Maybe the aliens are all tiny. It's not a fetus. It's grown. Maybe. Fully grown alien oh. is oh. tiny. They didn't look like little babies. Their, their planet is small. It's a tiny planet with tiny babies. <laughs> tiny, tiny people. I'm sorry. Tiny adults. Tiny adults. He pushes the box back onto the shelf and walks down the hallway. He walks out, closes the door, and then he runs his key card through its sensor. The sign on the door reads, in case of fire or emergency, know your exits, Pentagon evacuation procedure. There's a map of the Pentagon next to it, and the cigarette smoking man walks away. I wonder if this is the part of the Pentagon that they hit with the missile. Probably. All those alien babies. Gone. Adults. Baby adults. <laughs> so the final bit of trivia is that the closing scenes are almost identical to the closing scenes of the very first episode. Scully is in bed and sees her digital clock turn from 11.21 to 11.22. Mulder calls to talk. The scene cuts to the cigarette man, and he's placing the object in the vast Pentagon vault. Both episodes end with the door of the vault slamming shut, and the camera showing the sign on the door in case of fire or emergency. Know your exits, Pentagon. Evacuation procedure. All right. So, can you believe they killed Deep Throat? No. Nah. Not really. <laughs> nah, dog. Nah, dog. <laughs> so you think he's coming back? Well, first, I want to get to who you're shipping. <laughs> the bonobos and freedom. Okay, I am shipping <laughs> the little baby alien fetus and heaven. Aww. <laughs> <sighs> How are you surviving? I am surviving by using my alien DNA super strength to become a professional baseball player. Oh. Then I'm a millionaire and you can't touch me. Oh. Hmm. Why baseball? You don't get run into and beat up. Makes sense. And I like baseball. Okay. I love how you say you like baseball. I don't think I've ever seen you watch baseball. You have. You block it out, apparently. It's traumatic for me. I guess so. <laughs> I know you watch those little clips on YouTube. It's like, this guy shot the fastest football pass over. <laughs> yep, that's baseball. Baseball. That's how baseball's played. Cheers. Shooting football passes. <laughs> Maybe that's why you never see me watch baseball. You don't know what it is. I don't. I have no idea. 
Well, how are you surviving? Oh, man. I guess if I had the extreme strength, that would be useful. But what if what if you were one of the other experiments and just in the tanks? Well, in that case... You're not surviving? I, yeah, that's not the scenario I put myself in. Ugh. You know what? If I'm not one of the experiments, I'm going to learn how to jump a fence like Mulder because apparently <laughs> that's all you need to do to get away from the, the murderous men in not guys. black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to learn field. Field. Gotcha. <laughs> You've got the track down already. Yes. I already do the track part. I'm doing field next. Okay. So I have predictions okay. for season two. All right. First prediction, since they're closing down the X-Files, end of show, but there's nine more seasons, <laughs> Scully gave Deep Throat a fake package that does not, can't do that. Damn it. Can't do that because they show the alien fetus at the very end. Yep. So never mind. Well, that prediction was fake package. She still has the alien fetus and blackmails somebody to keep the X-Files going. Obviously, that's not true. No. That's not correct. Uh, But my other prediction is Deep Throat faked his death. And he literally told Scully that he was doing it as he was doing it. Interesting. (laughs) Trust no one, including me. Interesting. (laughs) Including this scenario right here. Very interesting. Well, I can't really do some predictions because I have read... Yeah. I, I know things that happen, and I've read other things that happen beyond seasons that I've seen. So we will see. <laughs> I guess my prediction is that The X-Files doesn't actually close. Yeah, it's a good prediction. In season two. Or if it does, it gets opened up for some reason. Hopefully Tombs comes back. I just want more Tombs. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <sighs> what about the Tombs in the one county over? <laughs> His name is Brooms. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, 24 episodes. We have now lasted as long as The Golden Palace. It is a spinoff of The Golden Girls. Oh. Dorothy got remarried, so she's not in this. And Blanche, Rose, and Sophia open a hotel called The Golden Palace. Oh. It is also starring Don Cheadle and Cheech Marin. What? We might have to watch a couple of episodes of that. (laughs) Yeah, if we can find it somewhere, yeah. I'd watch a couple. Wow. That sounds delightful. And season one of The (laughs) X-Files. That is true. So how did you feel about this episode? I like this episode. How did you feel about it as a finale? Uh, Pretty pretty good finale. Yeah. They definitely leave like a cliffhanger, so you got to come back. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I think they had a couple of weak episodes throughout the season, and they finished strong, which is one thing I was concerned about because I couldn't remember. I know I've seen this, but I couldn't remember how strong the finale was. And I loved it. I loved that Scully was the one who saw an alien before Mulder. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, how long is it going to be before Mulder sees an alien? That's one of the many things I don't know. What if he never sees an alien? Oh, that'd be messed up. It'd be gr- and Scully is always at the, she's always at the wrong place at the wrong time for seeing all of the extraterrestrial stuff that happens, but she's always there for the alien and Mulder <laughs> isn't. <laughs> oh, wow. Like the levitating. Yeah. She wasn't there. She was, Brutal. you know, doing the five point stop on, on <laughs> the car, checking the oil and all of that. I was pretty happy. Are you looking forward to season two? Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm excited for season two. They're going to get a budget. So you're going to be able to see some of the things that are, you know, doing the bad stuff. Yeah. And so we're going to do another episode of, what, like highlights and lowlights? Oh, next week? Yeah. We're going to do a season one recap. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're still listening. Thank you. And we're very excited to do season two. We're not going to have a break uh, so much in the schedule, but we will have one episode that's recapping before we launch into season two. And if you would like, tweet at us and let us know what your favorite episode is, your least favorite episode is in season one. Because yes. remember, we're not, no spoilers. We're not spoiling. I've never seen any of this. Yes. And he is a staunch non-spoiler. Yes. I don't mind as much. So I guess if you want to give me something spoilery, DM me. Right. Because you won't read those. Probably. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you in season two. <laughs> the Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at TheCastFiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by Atuka Art. That's O-O-K-A-A-R-T. 